Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Strange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown, because this week's episode starts in Three, two, one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show. Thank you so much for joining us today to discuss food medicine for all mamas, but especially for those who are pregnant and in the throes of postpartum and nursing. We are honored to have the lovely Erica Mock from the Beyond Organic Superfood Sensational Mama Meal Service 258 sharing all she has learned along her personal journey on this topic. Welcome, Erica. We are so excited to have you on today. Hey, guys. So grateful to be here. Thank you so much. We're thrilled to have you. We really are. So, Jenna, do you have a bio, some information you could share with our audience about Erica? Absolutely. So after being too sick to eat when she was pregnant with her first child, Erica Mock viewed eating for two with regards to quality, not quantity. Her own challenging journey into motherhood inspired her to form an absolutely delicious food company for mamas called 25-8 as her gift to all mamas throughout their motherhood journey before, during, and long after baby with nourishing meals that are the ones that made her feel whole again after her experience. So in her months of struggling with breastfeeding, coupled with sleepless nights, nourishment was what Erica looked forward to the most. And her aim is to empower every woman to intuitively trust what her body guides her to eat. And that is definitely something I can get behind. Mm -hmm. Me too. And I just want to know, Erica, where were you when I needed you in the throes of my postpartum? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I guess seriously, that a lot. this is like the ultimate. Yeah, you're like, I hear that a lot. This is the <laughs> ultimate, ultimate tool support system for any mama going through that transition, that wild ride. Um, and really, you know, I, I've tried the, these meals and they are absolutely incredible. They are so delicious and they are the exact type of like wholesome, nourishing type of meal that you want when you're postpartum or breastfeeding. You know, you like we were saying, we, you don't want to just like be picking at bird food for lack of a better word. You really want those like these the fuller, like rich flavors and sh- they really deliver on that. So I am obsessed with 25-8. Me too. I couldn't stop eating it. All, all of the food that we tried from 25A got completely demolished out of my out of my fridge, which is a very good sign because I have some picky eaters. And as every piece was like a piece of artwork. And oh my gosh, and the flavors. Was. I was just telling Erica before the rhodamum. Sorry, rhodamum. The rose <laughs> cardamom date little chocolate squares. Oh my gosh. I must have eaten an entire bucket for dinner one night. I'm like, what is this? And I know it's good for me and I know it's organic and I know it's like superfood. So I'm just going to eat it guilt-free. It's really amazing. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Jenna, do you have a definition 
Oh my gosh, thank you for all the hard work you're doing, Erica. It's really a beautiful, beautiful thing you're offering all mamas out there. Jenna, do you have a definition for our topic today? Yes. So our topic today is food medicine for mamas. It is always important to remember that food is either medicine or poison and that the average American supermarket is a minefield of poisonous food options. However, one section of society needs to really act upon this knowledge, and that is the mamas. Mamas grow children, nurse infants or toddlers in my case, feed families and run around 24-7 trying to keep up with the little ones. Mamas are programmed to take care of everyone else, but one powerful way that mothers can take care of themselves at least three times a day is with good food choices. Mm-hmm. Hopefully more than than three times a day. It's nice to have some nibbles in between. <laughs> True, but I'm just saying at least three times a day. Erica, do you have anything to add to that definition of food medicine for mamas? Um, that was a really comprehensive definition and very true because I view food as an opportunity, um, to nourish ourselves, to nourish our families, to nourish our spirit. Um, also I would say just like the intuitive nature of eating that I believe as mothers, we have an extra special sixth sense of knowing what things are truly going to nourish our bodies and our babies. So I think that's another really valuable piece because I speak to mothers in particular in this conversation that we have this beautiful gift of knowing what we should have and being able to nurture that and you know allow mothers to feel comfortable in allowing themselves and their bodies to guide their choices for themselves and their children, whether on earth, earth side or, you know, still inside. So I think that that would be something that, you know, would be a good addition. I'm completely behind you on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Using the intuition as your compass to guide you through your meal plan <laughs> and life. Yes, definitely. <laughs> because, you know, there's so many people out there, you know, even in the health space, just saying, eat this, eat that, superfood this, superfood that. And it's like, we all are such bio-individuals. And I know we say it all the time, but we really are bio-individuals. Our children are bio-individuals. So it's like what works for somebody else or what agrees with somebody else's system really might not agree with yours or be right for your child. And I think it's so important what, as exactly what you say, Erica, as like developing this intuitive sense in motherhood, not just for food, but for everything, because we know what's right for the bio-individuality of our children and of ourselves and to really feel empowered in acting like that. It's amazing in food and in other aspects as well. So great point. Definitely. Yeah. We want to let that shine through in every area we possibly can, because that's kind of how we create that enlightened generation that we hope to. Mm -hmm. We are on that train with you. So Erica, why don't we start by you telling us about your pregnancy journey and the role of food and what the role food played during this time? During pregnancy. So Um, being probably, I was about eight weeks and I was already interviewing midwives and doulas for what I wanted was a home birth. So I kind of got on the train really early with, with those things and it was going really well. And I came around like my second or third month and, um, I started to feel really nauseous 
all the time, but the kind of nauseous that you don't actually get sick. You just feel like you have to. So that was really torturous for me because, you know, even driving in a car was like, I didn't want to. It was the car sickness and the motion sickness and everything compiled on that. And the worst thing of all was, you know, as a health conscious person before pregnancy, I rarely ate anything that I didn't prepare myself. So I couldn't even be in the kitchen if I smelled my um, cast iron pan. If I smelled it being heated, I swear I could smell every meal that was ever cooked on it before. And it was awful. And it made me want to get sick every time. So I like got myself in this bind because yes, there are restaurants that do serve organic food, but they also want to make food taste really good. And by doing that, you know, we use a little bit more salt than we should, or maybe a little more sugar than, you know, would be appropriate otherwise. And, you know, the oils, you're not always sure that they're using. And there are so many question marks. And I just felt like it wasn't fair that the time in my life that I needed it the most when I was growing my child inside my body was the time I had the hardest time getting a hold of food that was what I believed to be the highest quality and the most nourishing for me and Aiden. I think that's a very common, yeah, that's a very common mm-hmm. scenario. I hear you on that. I felt the same way with, with my second pregnancy. It was, um, it's funny because with my son, I was I felt nauseous but never got sick. But with my daughter, uh, I was so sick, like seriously ill for months and months and months. And I couldn't cook. I couldn't do anything. And I remember having all these plans for myself about, oh, I'm going to drink green juice and like go to yoga throughout my pregnancy. And it just kind of went all out the window. Like I was just in survival mode. The last thing that I could even begin to think about was, um, you know, I kind of just had to take what I could get. I couldn't, I could not have gotten the best, highest quality, most nourishing foods into me at that point because I was wrangling another toddler. My husband was working. I was so sick. So I think this is, you know, obviously something that's really needed for people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it takes the guesswork out of it because, you know, with that, there is a lot of research and a lot of things that you need to know about um, kind of beyond what is like a general known thing. Like, at least to me, I don't see as extensive information of what we do and what we provide available or be, being talked about um, on a kind of mass uh, level. So that was something that I was so excited to do for other mothers because First of all, educating yourself on this, all of this is very daunting and it takes a lot of time and energy and effort that a lot of us don't have, you know, to spend on it. And then to execute it is a completely different set of issues. You know, to actually put your knowledge into practice is also very time consuming and energy consuming. And I want our moms to be giving all of that time and energy to the people who need it most in their family so and themselves. So that's the other beautiful gift of this is that I can, you know, be the puppeteer and pull the strings and make it happen in such a beautiful way and just deliver it completely finished at your doorstep, you know, and all you have to do is enjoy the food. And and I wish 
that was my situation with my son. And luckily, it will be next time for sure. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. I know you had just mentioned that there was even some things above and beyond what like is normal common knowledge around like what moms might need. And that's something that you guys provide. Would Could you tell us a little more about that? So I guess the beginning of that is like through the checkout process, we have different categories that we do. Um, I call them mama mods, like mama modifications. So whatever stage you're in, whether it's preconception and you're trying to conceive, um, we will include different foods that are really good for fertility and some herbal food as medicine, like, you know, including maca or other things that are not at a medicinal dose, but they're at an energetic dose and you are getting, you are reaping the benefits of that herbal medicine. Um, We have pregnancy, of course, when baby is in utero. We have postpartum, which I call the... um, the fourth trimester. So I consider the, the full three months after baby to be needing that really special kind of nourishment. Um, we avoid any things that are like spicy. We often do things that are super helpful for bringing back your digestion, um, which we know that that is kind of a funny journey after all your intestines are up in your ribs and they all descend back down into their places that they should be. But um, uh, nourishing, warming foods. Um, I actually did a Chinese postpartum myself for the first 30 days I stayed in my home and my mother-in-law from Beijing came and cooked for me. Now these are really obscure Asian dishes that I had, but I take that and I kind of try to Americanize it and make it something that's really palatable for a broad audience to reap the benefits without having to, you know, go to any extreme. Um, And then we have postpartum, which we are forever (laughs) as mothers. And we actually have a perimenopausal package too, um, a modification um, that we include different foods to help with mood mood enhancing and hormonal balancing, um, different things like that. So the base is all the same, um, but we make those modifications based on what stage you're in. And I just have to say that your menu is so diverse and so delicious. And we were speaking earlier about everyone's bio-individuality and actually using your intuition as a compass to what you feel like in that moment that day and what baby needs that day. And so there's something for everyone on your menu. And as you said, you've taken the guesswork out. So I love that you have put so much thought into this, that you have divided up your approach for pregnancy and then pregnancy, birth, and then postpartum. Or what, what were the three sections that you were working with? Uh, so there's preconception, pregnancy. Preconception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then postpartum, and then we even do the final change. Um, we have a lot of moms who are menopause. Yeah, going through menopause and Food is medicine for every life stage, so it's very beautiful. Beautiful. I'm just going to repeat that so I can edit that in. So I love the fact that you now have four different phases, the first one being preconception, because I also believe that is so important to have intention in how you're building your vitality in your system to create a child from in in that time of your life. Pregnancy, 
postpartum and then now you've recently introduced the um, menopausal kind of meal design and so that to me is just the most helpful useful incredible resource for a woman who's going through those incredibly beautiful and important and sometimes challenging phases of life so wow really well done in the intentional area (laughs) and the quality area thank you and just you know like women and mothers I know I kind of touched on this in my definition but it's like it throughout history and just sort of biologically we're the ones who feed others you know like we are always constantly cooking and taking care of our children our husbands our families and this has been for generations upon generations of females back in our family histories and in our genetic lines and memories and um to, to really have a service that takes care of the mom that like provides that service for the mother. Because I know for myself, when I'm cooking for everybody, I also like to make my own food and my food for my family. So I know what's going into it. And, um, I get burned out on that. Like I get burned out on constantly like taking care of others, but then nobody's ever doing that for me. So just to have that service, it's just, it's so simple yet. So yes, that was definitely a big driving force. And, um, the Chinese medicine thought of actually, you know, bearing children and childbirth and raising our children is that it is the ultimate sacrifice for a woman because what you give them is your life force, your Jing. It's one of the three treasures. So that doesn't come back. You've given that up to them. So we can, again, like we're saying, raise the next generation, but you don't ever get any more of that in your lifetime. So we have to really cultivate our yin and nourish our jing. And we have to, you, food is an incredible way to do that. Like really, truly incredible. Like eating with the seasons, eating things that are growing in the same soil that we're grounding our feet in, that are drinking the same water from the rain, that are breathing the same air. These are all things that align us with where we are and with nature. And in that comes alignment within ourselves. So it's really a compounded thing. And that's why it's just so beautiful. It's this the web that has no weaver. They always, uh, they say that about Chinese medicine, like you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into the meaning and the beauty of incorporating this food into your life. And you can also go really surface level where, like you just said, you prepare food for your family and yourself and you get burnt out. Like, I don't care how much you love it. If you do things over and over and over again, and you keep filling others' cups and yours is empty you're you're pulling from you don't have anything left to pull from so you have to refill your cup in order to to take care of others Mm -hmm. and I love that you recruited your mother-in-law during your 30-day postpartum (laughs) that was (laughs) absolutely genius and I wish that I had done that during my initial postpartum period because I have a theory that I never took 30 or 40 day postpartum to rest and replenish and intentionally use food as medicine to rebuild the all of the nutrients and vitamins and life force energy I just used to, to create my beautiful child. And I think that because I never allow myself time to fully rest and replenish and reboot, really, I had such a problem getting with my health after pregnancy and childbirth, um, I feel like 
I was thinner than I'd ever been before in my life. I, my libido didn't come back for four years or maybe more. Um, my hair was thinning. I had so many um, malnourished almost um, like yeah. health symptoms. And then I had issues getting pregnant again. And I had this gut feeling that there was this core imbalance that came from never really allowing myself a beat to do something for myself, replenish and reset, and then head into motherhood. There was no, I, I love how you're drawing attention to how important that 30-day postpartum period is and the nourishment that's available for all of us if we put some intention behind it. Can you speak a little bit more into what you were eating during those, I know you said that your mother-in-law came in and was making lots of broths and herb-based concoctions. Is there anything mm -hmm. else that the average mom who's heading into that postpartum period can keep an eye out that may specifically help her replenish jin, ying, blood, all of that stuff? Yes, absolutely. And I will say, because this comes up a lot, I will have moms try our food in their third trimester and they'll say, okay, well, I can't wait to order again after baby arrives. And it would be, I just want to use this platform that I have with you guys right now so that I can say that it is so important to prepare for labor like you're preparing for a marathon. And in doing that, you are going to be incorporating these foods, you know, anywhere in the third trimester all the way through the fourth so that by the time you do give birth and your baby is earthside and it's, you know, the, the greatest event, right, is over, you're not starting with uh, having to build up, rebuild up all your minerals, your vitamins, your nutrients, your everything that was used and taken from your body and put into your child, that you're ahead of the game. So I'd say that's the first thing is to, you know, we're, we're taught to prepare for birth like it is um, like a wedding, right? So birth is the wedding and everything is being prepared for the birth up to that day. And you take the classes and you do the things and you get everything lined up. But, you know, we forget that, there's also things you could be doing in that moment that will help your transition after the birth or the wedding later into motherhood, which, you know, with marriage, a lot is centered around the wedding and not around how am I going to live with this person for the rest of my life and be, you know, happy and open and loving and caring and communicative and, you know, all of those things. Those are all things we need to prepare for after baby, there needs to be a plan. Um, so in addition to preparing before and then, you know, creating that plan for after baby arrives for support, um, nourishment, as far as food goes for me personally, I did some, um, there's like a rice porridge that they like to make. Um, and we would put like goji and black sesame and red dates, which are really good for nourishing. It's like a blood, nourishing your blood. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen um, jujubes. Um, they're like my favorite. I still eat them. Um, we use a lot of medicinal mushrooms um, because in the Chinese culture, they use a lot of different parts of the animals. So I was eating 
liver, which is incredible for its vitamin A content. Um, also for the iron content, which a lot of people struggle with after giving birth. Um, you could eat it once a week and you could disguise it. I actually, a while ago, and I might bring it back, we had turkey meatballs that had, I called it turkey and fagato meatballs. Fagato's Italian for liver. And um, it was just diced up in there. You had no idea that they were in there. But that one serving a week could help you avoid having to do any kind of supplementation for bringing your iron levels back up postpartum. So things like that. And then, you know, the more obscure things like pork trotters, like the feet and (laughs) just things that were super rich in minerals from bone, collagen for skin and tissue repair, um, and warm. I think if you could only pick one thing and you're overwhelmed by all of this, I get it. It's a lot. If you could only pick one thing, it would be from the moment that you deliver your child, do not have anything cold for at least the first 30 days. No cold food, no cold drinks, all warm. So again, like I, uh, our modifications are to stoke the digestive fire, to bring digestion back to a new mother. If you eat cold foods, it's like also eating raw foods. That puts out your digestive fire. If you imagined that you had a big bubbling kettle in your stomach and underneath you had coals. We want to stoke those coals and make them really hot to help bring your digestion back postpartum. Um, If you did anything, it could be that one thing and you're doing so many good things for your body in order to nourish your new baby. And Erica, does that rule apply even during the months of summer? Because I know that in Ayurvedic medicine, they really talk about moving with the seasons and how our diet should change depending on our environmental conditions. So I know that postpartum is a very vulnerable, very particular time of people's lives and um, health journey. Does the warm nourishing, the, the, the warm meals apply even if we're in the middle of a blazing summer? Yes, they do. And I get it because I delivered in January, so it was really appropriate to be drinking warm broths and doing all these things. But yes, um, ancient medicine, which is Ayurveda and Chinese medicine, they have a lot of really similar themes. And it really, like even particularly with the Chinese postpartum, they don't want you to use any air conditioning. So that's not to let the wind in because they believe that you are open during that time and it will allow the wind into your body, which is kind of wreaks havoc on your system. Um, yes, and that could be a struggle and I could see how that could be a struggle. It doesn't have to be piping hot. Even room temperature, if that's something you can tolerate in the summer months, is great. Um, as far as eating for the season goes, the different things that you add in, like vegetable-wise, I even did kitchery. I did kitchery in my first uh, 30 days too. So we would use in the, you know, it was winter time. So we used butternut um, and some, you know, heavier winter greens, but you can change those in alignment with the season that you're in. But the not eating or drinking anything 
cold really does apply no matter when you give birth. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I'm taking notes. I'm giving birth in September, by the way. <laughs> Are you? Yes. Ta-da! Oh my God. We haven't really announced it yet, but I guess I just did. Oh, my God. I'm here for you. I know, I'm girl. Just calm. Don't you worry. I have your number. I'm going to be hitting you yeah. up. And you got me thinking about the pregnancy as well. And I'm a big believer that whatever I'm putting into my body right now is going straight to my baby and creating a quality of sustenance and vitality for their growing little body. And I love how you said stock up now as you're approaching the birth, because it's such a labor of love physically. It's going to be so intense. You, you want to be ahead of the game when it comes down to replenishing and restoring and making it through labor as well. So can we just put a little, I've got so many great questions for you, but can we put a little bit of focus on how your meal plan changes and the intention behind the meals during pregnancy for women who are pregnant and are thinking, what do I need to be incorporating into my daily? And what are some things I need to be looking out for to make sure I'm supporting the growth of my baby and myself as much as possible? That's a great question. So during pregnancy, as we know, and you know, of course you're in it right now, there are so many limitations placed on us, um, even to the point of, which totally blows my mind that, you know, eggs, like if your eggs are runny, you're not allowed to eat them when you're pregnant. Um, I'm not trying to oppose anybody else's school of thought or what your doctors are saying, because You need to find the care providers that you really resonate with. And if that's what their recommendations are, then, you know, you can do what feels right to you. But for me, I can just say this example that when I was pregnant, I had the most insane desire, a call inside of me to ingest not only salmon, but raw salmon. And I know that that is the scariest thing ever, right? Or scariest sounding thing ever, like no sushi, right? And it was so, it hit me so hard that I was like, okay, I'm going to go with this. I spoke with my midwife. She said, go for it. And I did. And I ate so much. I ate it from a trusted source. They tested for mercury. So it was very, very low. And I ate for about I don't know, one to two weeks, a lot. And then one day I suddenly stopped needing it. So it was just such a testament to what I believe that we know what we need in that moment. And um, after doing research on that and getting a little bit more into the details, I believe it's the selenium in fish that binds with heavy metals and it helps remove it from your system. So during pregnancy, we're not allowed to like detox, right? I, I have a I'm looking at my infrared sauna right now. I used it daily. Um, I did other things that kind of gently helped my body rid excess toxins just from living in Los Angeles. So there was something that my body was called to this salmon, which I don't even like salmon, which is gross right now, um, that I needed. So I think the modifications as far as they go is. Um, I don't use a lot of things like cilantro, right? Or um, there's also like parsley. So those herbs like that, even if they are used in small doses, I don't like to use them in women who have meals during pregnancy just because they can potentially be linked 
to miscarriage, especially in the really early trimester. Um, Other than that, I would say I really focus on figuring out really creative ways to get a lot of eggs into pregnant mamas because I believe that truly pastured eggs that are allowed to graze on grasses, herbs, bugs, and eat dirt and be in the dirt and the earth and the color of the yolks of those pastured eggs, that tells you something about the egg, that that is just the most cohesive, well-packaged little vial of nutrients for you as a mother. I just think that that it's so valuable that if even if you can't eat anything else, if you can find a way to get eggs in and some bone broth, like you're doing a million good things for you and your your growing child. Um, other than that, really, I uh, do take a lot more modifications if a mother uh, will email me and say, hey, I saw this week's menu. Please make sure I get this, this, and not this, this. I, I completely trust them and I make it so that they are only getting what they feel they need from our menu. And like you said, it's very diverse. So it gives you a lot of things to choose from instead of kind of sticking with a more like um, just an American based um, menu, like a diet. We do things like I had Indonesian gado gado noodles. I have a lot of Asian cuisine. We do European and South American and, you know, this great mixture. So if I think that would probably be like the biggest modification for pregnancy. Um, a lot of healthy fats. We also just include that in all meals anyway. So yeah, I think the picking and the selection of the meals during pregnancy is our biggest modification because I want mama to pick what she wants to eat based on her intuition and her inner knowing and support that in any way I can. So amazing. Wow. I think that is just so such a way to honor the mama's intuition and to really put that into action. Love it. I've just totally resonated with um, all that. I agree. And um, I know this is kind of skipping back a little bit, but one thing that you said that I, that really hit home for me was just like the planning before the birth, you know, I know that was a while back, but like just to have um, a plan in place before you give birth, because once the baby comes out, it's like, you know, it's like war zone. You're, you're going to be <laughs> yeah. in survival mode. You're not going to be able to like think straight. So yeah. just to have systems in place prior to the birth is so smart. Yeah. And it's not only food, like I said, um, I'm sure you've heard of Dr. Berlin and his wife, Alyssa Berlin is, I, she's my hero. I love her. And she has a program called the after birth plan. And it's really just that, like that is getting the framework set up and the support set up and the communication between you and your partner and your loved ones set up before the big day so that you just sit back and watch your plan unfold instead of like scramble, like, ah, like I didn't know it was going to be like this and I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. And that will, you know, it inhibits your healing in a way when you feel unsettled 
um, in your environment. So that's a really big one too. It's really not a good idea to make an emergency exit plan during a fire. <laughs> I just <laughs> had that visual come into my head. Like you're in the middle of a fire and you just need the quickest way out. You better know that before that fire hits. It's so great to have a plan and it helps you enjoy those early stages of motherhood rather than try putting out more fires in your relationship and the systems that aren't quite suited for that period of life. So super important. And Erica, I know that you have a lot of emphasis and a lot of ideas on quality of ingredients that you work with. Can you please talk to us about your ideas on this and where you source your ingredients from and the thought put into it and all of that good stuff? Absolutely. That's my soapbox. Um, (laughs) Yes. So I always like to start this conversation with animal products. Um, So this really hits close to home for me and is one of the reasons why I, you know, one of the big reasons why I even started this was to, to educate on If you are going to eat animal protein, which I truly thrive on myself, I've tried many times, many different times over the years um, to, you know, decrease, especially like red meat or things like that. When I did kind of go along with the diet uh, mentality or, you know, eating a specific way and not listening to myself, but I feel the most vital when I include Um, red meats, particularly game meats like buffalo and bison and uh, bison is buffalo, Um, venison, elk, other things that are really, you know, more of like a wild um, meat. And when it came time for me to source, of course, we go to, you know, grass fed is the buzzword now, right? Um, So I'm calling all these grass-fed farmers all along the West Coast to try to keep it as close home as possible. And in my conversations, I learned so much more than I even thought I knew before. And particularly that grass-fed doesn't mean anything by legal standards right now. So if an animal was grazed for a portion of its life, it could be grass-fed. It doesn't mean that it was raised on grass its entire life. So I kept digging and I kept digging and I finally found um, Diamond Mountain Ranch up in, they're outside of San Francisco. Um, They really do it right. Their animals are on pasture their entire life. There's no loopholes here. (laughs) They are, you know, not to get too much into the details, but the details are important because I know that there are very few people who will go to the extent that I do to make sure the animals were not only humanely treated, but treated the way I would treat my own. I have horses, so my own livestock, um, that they were hand transported to the facility where they were processed. This is a small facility, not a giant USDA uh, factory where normally our meat is processed. Um, They are individually done one by one. You know that it's not going to be mixed up inside with a different meat, right? So 
the, think about it, if you're processing thousands and thousands and thousands of cows, the likelihood of that meat, which looks identical to another meat that was not humanely raised and fed a corn-based diet, which we know is very detrimental to the way that a cow digests and to their live their well-being. Um, they can only live for about three months on corn. So you don't have to worry about that mix-up happening, which does happen a lot. And from that point, it is taken directly down to market. So it comes to us. So that's limiting the places, the processes, and the packages from where the food begins to how it arrives to your doorstep in our meal program. So those are my three P's um, that also obviously applies to everything else produce. Um, we work with uh, multiple farms in, we visit multiple markets throughout the week so that we can gather all the ingredients. Um, it sounds kind of wild logistically, and it is, but it is so worth it. And that is why I pride ourselves so much on the quality of food that we get. Um, regarding organic and non-organic, we actually had this conversation before you and I, Amber, and it is so tricky because to me personally, knowing your farmer knowing where your food was grown, knowing what chemicals were and were not used on that food, and knowing the process in which it was harvested and brought to market and put into my hands, that means so much more to me than any organic certification could. So if I'm, let's say, if I go to my farmer who I know uses neem, as a pesticide, which is neem oil, right, which is harmless to us, bugs don't like it, and that's all they use. And they don't have the money to pay for an organic certification. Maybe they don't do the volume, and that's okay to me. So I'm going to choose that over going to Whole Foods and getting a clamshell of Driscoll's organic berries every day of the week. So that's, again, another thing that people's minds are blown. And when they talk to me, they tell me about, what is it? I don't watch TV, but there's some episode of Portlandia, I think it's called. And they uh, went to this restaurant that was farm to table and they were like, okay, now it's time for your interview. And you had to go like interview the cow and like <laughs> before you eat the cow, but it really does go to that level. And I am happy to do that work because to me, that is how I source the most like vital, vital is the right word, the most vital food that I can then prepare and combine and turn into a delicious meal and give it to mothers who need that the most. Mm, I love that. Go check out your farmer, everyone. Really know your farmer, know their practices. Erica, I know you you actually visited the farms that you were looking to start working with and that's yes. really, really important. And trust no one <laughs> is my kind of rule around where food sources because there are a lot of loopholes jumping up around and there are a lot of buzzwords as well. And so, yeah, I think local, knowing your farmer and really having sussed out 
the source of your food and if they're using any loopholes or not is really the only way to know what you're putting into your body. The next best thing is growing it yourself. So you know the quality <laughs> yeah. of the soil, which is what the food's going to be absorbing. You know if you're putting pesticides yes. or herbicides on it or not. You know if there's any na- neighbors next door using pesticides and herbicides, which is going to infect your crop. You know when it was picked. You know all of that good stuff. So I really love the extent you go to to ensure that mothers are receiving the highest quality possible to give their baby the best chance in life possible straight off the bat. Wow. Well done. High five. I can tell you're super passionate about this, but not just that. You've done the research. You've done the groundwork. And once again, taking the guesswork out for everyone else. So thank you for that. (laughs) Definitely. Really filling a gap in the market with some serious quality product. I want to know how you make your food so delicious it's ticking all the boxes it's not only super healthy with high ingredients and there's a diverse array for every type of palate out there and you've managed to make it for different phases of motherhood but how do you make it so delicious tell us about the 25-8 team behind this incredible this incredible endeavor yes that's the magic um honestly the intention and the love I think sets us apart on its own. And then on top of that, we have an incredible team. I have a commercial kitchen. We have our own. Um, I have three chefs that work with us. Um, They all have such valuable input and they help, you know, tweak and make things constantly better. We're always making things. How can we make it better? You know, what can we make? How can we make this meal even more elevated? And at the very base of that for the framework of this food and for the guidelines, I work with a naturopathic physician from Germany. Um, She helped us build the skeleton of what our meals are. Do this, not this. Use this, not this. Um, If there are different herbs that I do want to use, I always consult with her first. Um, We have a peach and holy basil gazpacho on the menu right now. Um, So we're using, again, not medicinal amounts of holy basil, but fresh, local holy basil and peaches and just a little salt and pepper. And I believe there's like cucumber in it. And it's just insane like the flavor and the medicine value of that soup is just mind-blowing so I owe it to you know I owe it to her and I also owe it to um my very good friend and longtime mentor Aaliyah Wicks in North Carolina she is a practicing acupuncturist um she also is like an encyclopedia when I call her she just blows my mind every time and it never fails. And she is really the reason why I started down this path when I was in my early 20s. Um, so it's really cool to have her still along on the journey. And like you were mentioning the cardamom rose uh, cacao fudge earlier. So this is a, it's like a fudgeless fudge, right? Because it's just dates and cacao. But she, um, formulated that to have the cardamom which is great for you know digestion and also the rose to nourish the heart chakra because when you're indulging in chocolate you're already doing that and then the rose just sets it over the edge right that's why it's it's such a beautiful grounding 
um, treat that that has sweetness to it, but in a way that isn't going to, you know, we're all afraid of sugar now. We were afraid of fat and now we're afraid of sugar, but we do use mostly whole food sources of sugar. Like dates are one of our favorites. Um, and, you know, just to provide that little bit of indulgence, but also remember that, um, you know, there are the the five tastes and the five flavors and to incorporate all of them. I know in Ayurveda, they, they talk about that, I believe, right? Um, the, the different flavors and having a little bit of each and every one of your meals to create and balance um, for, for Chinese medicine. It's the elements within us. Um, but yeah, so I, I basically... I'm always on the hunt for some amazing food. And, you know, if I go to a restaurant or if I read something or if I'm reading a book and I I see something that really stands out, I'll take it to them and I'll say, hey, I want to use this. What can we do? How can we make it better? How can we make it designed for, you know, moms in these different stages? And that's the kind of research that goes into creating these menus. It's pretty extensive. Um, But without them, it would be impossible because, you know, it takes a village to run a business and to take care of your children. Well, you're killing it in the best way possible. You could, I mean, I just love the <laughs> fact that you've even considered activating the heart chakra through rose oil. I mean, it's such a beautiful, well-rounded activation having a bite of your food. And I just want to be super clear, this food can is also safe and good to be ingested by children, husbands, and non-mamas, right? Yes. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I know there are going to be people listening to this who may be anticipating their motherhood journey, but not quite there yet. This is also medicine for any human out there. It really is. And that was the big thing was you know, I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to do prepared meals in the way that we're doing it. I wasn't ready to talk to everyone just yet. I wanted to talk to mom because no one's talking to just us. And in a lot of ways, we make a lot of decisions when it comes to food for our families. So one of our next, spoiler alert, one of our next um, big steps is I'm working with um, a nutritionist who does baby led weaning for little ones. And we're going to start doing do beta testing for mommy and me. So that's going to be baby eats what mommy eats. We either, you know, we cut it into different sizes and there's different portions and there may be less salt in the baby portion, but in every way they're eating what mom eats. And that just helps create such a really well-rounded palate and introducing all these incredible foods that aren't necessarily covered up with a, a sweet um, thing so that, you know, they they will eat it. It's really giving them the choice and the ability to decide what their likes are um, without having to disguise our food in different ways where sometimes that can happen with, you know, purees and, and other things mm. like that. I know that it's such an art introducing food to those fresh little digestive systems called infants and babies. That's such an incredibly important art, um, uh, what's it called, art form, if you will. Have you considered at any point expanding your business to um, baby food as well? Um, I think that's as far as it will get, um, as far as doing mommy and me. So the baby led weaning um, which again is why I will be 
working with a clinical nutritionist to create this program, like you said, it is outside of my realm of knowing. And I, I admit to that. So that's why she's very, um, integral plays an integral part in developing this side of the business. But yeah, I think as far as baby food goes that I guess it's because what I did, it's what I did with Aiden, um, with the baby led weaning and allowing them to grab and bite and chew off their food, um, and to drink out of cup, like those, those different things. It's a very different way. And there's a lot of methods, but I think that that's going to be my contribution to the baby food world because I don't see anybody really doing that just yet. It's usually, um, things that are kind of, you know, layered together in a jar and you just, you will feed the baby or the baby feeds itself. But this is really like isolating each different part of the meal, just like we would eat where we have like three sides and like a, a protein of some kind or something that, um, that's what I hope to contribute to the baby food world. If that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. I love that that niche. Thank I think you. that's yeah, it's really definitely niche. <laughs> when that launches, call me. <laughs> yeah, I will. <laughs> For sure. Incredible. Erica, wow, this has been so insightful and very inspiring. And I'm just visualizing your little boy. How old is he now? He's one and a half. Oh my gosh, is he the healthiest, happiest, well rounded <laughs> little superhero on earth? He is a superhero. He blows my mind every day when he begs for fishies and I feed him sardines and olive oil and like chicken livers and like all all of these things. What? I want to be your child. Wow. That is incredible. (laughs) I mean, it's quite unusual that a child would like sardines, I feel like, because, you know, their palates are usually so sensitive to strong flavors and it just seems like that would be a lot of strong flavor. And he seems like a real special guy. Do you think his palate is because it developed because of what you were eating when he was in the womb? Oh, no doubt. For sure. I I think even just like (laughs) what I was putting in my body energetically has helped to create him and his world. Um, Of course, they're born with a certain amount of things that are already aligned. You know, that's that's their journey and that's what they arrive with from their previous shell (laughs) is what I believe. But yeah, the food, the thoughts, the the company that I kept that I keep now like they all help create this little human and their their world and yeah I I just I just love watching him grow and like knowing that like at least with the nutritional part that I'm really doing my part in giving him his best life, allowing him to live his best life with this platform. Now, I will tell you, um, I've had like many panic attacks when we've been around like cake and things that are like out of my control. But also that's a really valuable opportunity and lesson for me to relinquish control because, you know, later in life, um, he's going to have to make those decisions for himself and allow him to feel like, you know, maybe not now, but when he's three and four, oh, after I ate that, you know, birthday cake with, you know, red 40 and, you know, blue dye and all these artificial things that I really didn't feel so good. And, you know, allowing him to learn his own lessons is something that I, that I really, really try hard to do. It's an active effort though. 
great approach. And at least you've built his gut health up to the degree where he can withstand the odd indulgence yes. of the dyes and the artificial flavors, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Well done. Yeah, just creating that baseline of healthy eating is so important because like as you say, it's so important to let them experiment with the foods that are not medicine for your body because I know with my kids, they, they're they now that they're like five and almost six and, and three. It's like they're really seeing that connection, as you say, of like trying a food that's unhealthy and then feeling like sick from it after either having a headache or a stomach ache. And so they're, they're really making that connection for themselves. And I'm afraid that if, if they're not allowed to make that connection for themselves and we're just always telling them, this is what you have to eat and this is what you cannot eat, right. then they're going to, you know, want to experiment with those things and maybe go overboard in the opposite direction. So I think it's so important to have that baseline of healthy eating, but allow them to experiment as well. Absolutely. And I love te- it. Teach them to understand self-regulation so they can make the healthy choices for themselves because unfortunately we won't be there to police them their entire lives so we gotta <laughs> make sure that we have at least taught them how to make the healthy choice for themselves and be inspired by that rather than you know making a healthy choice through guilt or fear or anything else yeah. so Wow, such such an incredible conversation, Erica. You are absolutely ruling motherhood, and I think that it is such a beautiful way to express a mother's love is to really put intention and care behind what we eat what what we eat them with <laughs> put intention and care <laughs> behind not. what we feed them and that is really one of the greatest gifts we can give our children such an expression of love so thank you where can our audience find you how can they get hold of your meal packages where can they follow you on instagram tell us everything um so you can go to 258.com so that's all spelled out 20 dash five eight com and you can find us on instagram at 258 again all spelled out 20 underscore five underscore eight excellent and so that will have the website and that will have all the links that anyone needs to sign up for your meal plan subscribe and get all the stress off their back about if they're getting enough nourishment to their growing babies, whether it's in the womb or it's up in the cosmos about to come down into their womb or outside of the womb or long yes. growing up and you're going through menopause. <laughs> There's something for yeah. everyone. I love that. And then I will say too that there is, we do have a pantry section on our website and that includes all of our broths and bread and our different packages we do have one day trials um so you can try us out before committing to a full subscription if that's something that aligns Um, to yeah and that can be good you know i'm sure that if they even try one of your meals they're going to be hooked so i do recommend it to everyone thank you thank you so much so um Thank you so much, Erica, for imparting your knowledge on us. I know that our listeners are exactly thinking about this exact topic. So I'm sure that all this info is just exactly what they need to hear. So thank you so much for for being on today. Um, Thank you. I have a little invitation for our listeners um, in light of everything that we've been talking about. And that is if you're an expecting mama or in the beautiful fog of postpartum or just a human that's interested in the best possible nourishment for your body via high vibe food, then take some pointers from Erica and focus on making your food your medicine. 
If you really want to kickstart this approach, sign up to 25-8 and um, get all the nourishment and support you need to feel your best. And we do have a discount code for you. So the discount code for you for listening to this episode is replenish. That's R-E-P-L-I-N-I-S-H. Did I just spell that right? Um, I think it's with an E. I think it's R-E-P-L-E-N-I-S-H. Yes, that's it. Replenish. Um, and that is to get $50 off your first meal subscription delivery. Um, and so, and Erica was telling us too, that, that usually those sometimes could be like 80 or a hundred dollars. So this is over 50% off your first meal subscription delivery with the code replenish. So go forth and eat yummy food and have it delivered directly to your house and know that it is the good stuff that you're getting. Uh Thank you, Erica, so much. I am grabbing that discount code and going straight to an investment into my health and my child's health. So thank you again for being with us today. I so, so appreciate chatting with you guys and we love being a guest on your podcast. It was really great talking to you. Thank you. Pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. And for anyone listening to this who loved today's episode and got a lot of wisdom and inspiration out of it, we would so appreciate your support. Leave us a review, subscribe to iTunes if you haven't already, share this episode to any expecting mamas or postpartum mamas, spread the love and have an incredible week. Thank you so much for being part of the conversation. We love you lots. Have an awesome week. Bye. Bye.